we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to At The Core with Walker Wildman and Rick Green. I'm Rick Green. It's uh, Thursday, so you got the America's Constitution Coach with you this afternoon. I'm looking forward to the next hour and looking forward to hearing from you if you would like to call in and be a part of the program. We'd love to hear from you. 888-589-8840 is the phone number. You're welcome to call with your comments, questions, insults, whatever you got. Bring it on. I am going to be bouncing around all over the place today. So many headlines to get to, so it's just going to be rapid fire. Uh, don't feel like you call, got to call in while that particular topic's being covered because I'm going to jump back and forth. Just go ahead and call, and uh, we'll get to those calls as soon as we can. Uh, the first one, I had talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, but uh, the hearing has now taken place, and um, you know I, I, I didn't even uh, get a chance to talk about that on Tuesday because it was happening uh, that day. So this is oral arguments at the U.S. Supreme Court over whether or not the President of the United States has the constitutional authority to essentially write a blank check for anything they want. Okay, it's not quite that broad, but it's close, because there is zero authority for the President of the United States to forgive student loan debt on his or her own without authority from from Congress. Congress is the, the, the appropriations part of the federal government. And the fact that that we totally left them out of this and and the fact that the president is actually using – get this. I didn't realize this on Tuesday when I was talking about it. I did not realize that the president is actually using a clause from 9-11. So after 9-11, after we were attacked on our own homeland, 3,000 lives, the whole thing, after 9-11, Congress had a provision – for the administration, not really the president, but as much as the you know agencies, to be able to you know postpone payments on on student loan debt uh, and and deal with you know things that that, that happened in the fallout of 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 nine eleven, uh, it, it wasn't forgive completely forget the loans. It was you know you can delay your payments that sort of thing. Now they've stretched this thing. That, that was what twenty. What is this? This is uh, 22 years ago now, almost 22 years ago. So 21 and a half years ago, totally different scenario, right? Like that's a, a, a literal physical attack on the country. Now, we could go down the rabbit hole of, of the fact that, the, that COVID was a bioweapon released by the Chinese, paid for by us in the Wuhan lab, which is now finally coming out. Um, you know, but it, it, it's a different scenario. And, and, and even if it was the same scenario. There would still need to be congressional approval to do this. Another rabbit hole. I'm sorry I'm going to go down so many trails here. Rabbit trails, rabbit holes, whichever way you want to go with that. Um, but but the fact that any of this is, is, is in the federal government domain is wrong. All right? We, we know anyone that has actually read the Constitution, if you haven't taken my Constitution class, I strongly encourage you to do so. You can get that at patriotacademy.com. We got really – our classes are actually the only Constitution classes in which you will stay awake. They're entertaining. They're fun. I do the class in Independence Hall, so I'm standing in the room where the Constitution was created and the Declaration. And, uh, and then we go to David Barton's library, pulls out all these documents, talks about all this stuff. Anyway, all of that to say, take the class, you'll understand. There's only 17 things that the federal government is authorized to do under the Constitution. Everything else – that they are doing. All of the other 17,000 things that they're doing 
is unconstitutional. They are outside the scope of their authority. They are violating the Constitution. They, they are being unethical because they are stealing authority and power from the states and from the people. And, and, and this falls into that area. There is no constitutional authority for a student loan program at all. Shouldn't even exist at the federal level. It, it, it is ridiculous that you would move this to the federal government. Should not be any pandemic response at the federal level. Now, I know to some of you that sounds crazy, but that is the history. That is the law. That is the constitutional authority of the federal government versus state government versus local government versus you, the individual. The feds have no health care authority. They have no pandemic authority other than protecting us from something coming into the United States. So if it's crossing the border, uh, let's see a little bit of that going on. A little, little, little bit of uh, a pandemic risk happening uh, just south of us here where I am in Dripping Springs, Texas. Just drive three hours to the border and uh, you'll see all kinds of risks where the federal government is failing to do its its one duty with regard to health care and keep things like a virus from coming across the border. Anyway, again, going down the rabbit trails today because i got so much I want to talk about. All of that brings us back to the Supreme Court case. The question here is, does the president have authority? Now, you're going to hear me use that word authority, jurisdiction. Those words used to mean something, used to mean that certain people, certain entities had authority to do something. They don't have blanket authority to do anything that they want. In other words, we the people vested into the federal government certain powers. That's why the Declaration of Independence is very clear. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among the others, these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So to secure the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and others, governments are created by we the people, and they are given authority from us, consent of the governed. Consent of the governed means that they cannot grab new powers unless the people consent, unless we give it to them. In other words, the federal government has a bucket of powers, but that bucket has a lid on it. That lid has a lock on it, and the key to that lock belongs to you, belongs to me, we the people. We are the only ones that can open the lock, open the lid, and give the federal government more power. How do you do that? You can only do that properly through a constitutional amendment. You must amend the Constitution to add a power to the bucket of powers that the federal government has. Right now, they've got 17 that are actually in the Constitution, 17,000 that they've added to the bucket themselves. They broke the lock. They just, they just broke in, opened the lid themselves, and mostly through the U.S. Supreme Court over the last 50, you know, really 90 years, started giving themselves all kinds of power, started adding to the federal government's power without our permission. Now, if we want to go back to a constitutional form of government, if we want to be a constitutional republic once again, if we want to get away from the Constitution and go back to the Constitution, all of this you'll learn more about in our Constitution classes at patriotacademy.com. But if we want to go back to the Constitution and get rid of the Constitution, we have to put the federal government back in that bucket, back in that 17 limited powers. And if we want to add to that, that's fine. Hey, if, if you think the federal government should call the shots on a pandemic, then support a constitutional amendment to create the Center for Demented Confusion. But don't allow Congress to create the Center for Demented Confusion without our permission. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives them the power to create the CDC or the FDA. 
or the NIH or the FTC. We could go down the list. But right now, CDC and FDA, that's the main ones that caused the debacle of the COVID crackdowns, not the virus itself. Most of the death, most of the destruction, most of the damage was done by government, not by the virus. We've dealt with viruses like this throughout history, human history, including in United States history, including the founding fathers. They dealt with yellow fever. They dealt with all kinds of stuff. They would have never gone for this federal control and federal micromanagement of everybody's health care decisions, business decisions, all those things. So as a, as a part of the overreaction and the, and the power grab that the federal government engaged in, they decided, President, President Biden decided on his own, well, I mean his administration, people behind the scenes with him, decided that here was another area that they could use the pandemic as an excuse to grab more power. And I shouldn't even call it the pandemic. I should call it the COVID crackdowns. That they could use this. Remember the old expression, don't let an emergency go to waste, make the most of this, use this. That's what they're doing. And so one of the areas was a, a vote-buying scheme where the President of the United States could say, hey, I'm going to forgive all your student loans. Not all your student loans. I'm going to forgive up to $20,000 of your student loans just because you know I'm benevolent like that. I'm, now, I'm not going to pay it myself. I'm going to, I'm going to go take money from other people. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go steal money from other people to give to you, and therefore you should think I'm a good guy. That's essentially what every politician does. Every time they make you a promise to pay for something that you should be paying for yourself, including your student loans, right? I paid my student loans off. Most of you listening to this program, if you had student loans, you paid them off or you, you got help from your spouse or your parents or, or, or whatever, but you didn't go to the government and ask the government to pay for it because you knew that the government's not paying for it. The government is robbing your neighbor. So if you let government pay off your student loans, you're actually letting government steal it from your neighbor. Now, I don't mean that to say uh, that you shouldn't take uh, the, the, uh, the, the money if they do it, because I'm also a big believer in economic warfare, and that if they're going to take this money from us and, 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 and spend it, that we should redirect those funds to our friends and family and churches and, 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 and conservative businesses as best we can. This is economic warfare. This is We are in a war in this country for the heart and soul of our nation and where we're going to go. And we're either going to go into socialism and communism or we're going to come back to freedom and free enterprise. And if they use the, 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 the government treasury, which is your money and my money, in the economic warfare to strengthen their friends meaning left-wingers, woke companies, and weaken our friends, meaning churches, conservative companies, conservative people, constitutional individuals, if they are able to use government and the power of the purse to strengthen their side and weaken our side, they will win. So we have to be smart. We have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We need to be cunning. We need to have wisdom. And that means when they do these things and they create these programs, I believe it's important for our people to redirect those funds to our people as best we can. Now, some of you will not like that. Some of you will say, uh, Rick, that's not a purist view. You shouldn't take the money if the money shouldn't have been spent in the first place. Folks, we are not in a, we're not playing tiddlywinks here. We're not in some high school, you know, debate where we can be purist and say, well, the right thing to do is this and that's the only way to play the game. No, we're at war. We have to fight. We have to be smart. And so I do think you redirect those funds as best you can. Back to the issue. Can the president do this by himself? That's what the Supreme Court had their hearing on Tuesday about. And the, and, and apparently, 
and I haven't had a chance to listen to uh, the hearing. I, 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 I don't enjoy listening to those, those hearings, but sometimes I do so I can get further into the into the details. But reading the articles about it, it looks like Clarence Thomas uh, is making it very clear this is this is way outside the jurisdiction of of the president. There's nothing in the statutes that authorizes this. They they don't uh, that I know of. They didn't really talk about the constitutionality of the student loan program in the first place. But most people aren't going to even go there. Uh, but I do think they're going to lose. I do think we're going to cobble together at least five votes to say this was way outside the president's authority. If Congress wants to, quote unquote, forgive $400 billion in student loan debt, and some say it's going to be as much as a trillion, if Congress wants to do that, Congress needs to stand up and vote for that. Congress needs to do their job and if the, and, and stand by that vote and not hide behind the president doing this, and, uh, and, and they haven't done that. And so I think the Supreme Court is going to rule that this was an overreach of the federal government. This was, once again, an overreach of the President of the United States trying to use his executive power to do something the Constitution does not give him the authority to do. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. Wow, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this segment, I got all these headlines I want to hit. I'm going to be bouncing all over the place. I got, I got one one headline done in the first segment. So we got two more segments. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll get to a few more of those headlines. But keep an eye out for this. This is going to be a really, really important... Um, uh, uh, a case that that will determine again the constitutionality of overreaches by by the federal government and 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 by the way the the the, uh, the statute that they are trying to um, you know distort completely is the Heroes Act going all the way back to the nine eleven um, a, a terror attacks and, and it was it was student loan relief back then for military members and their families so the people that are willing to fight the terrorist. Willing to go drain the swamp in the Middle East and go prevent these people from being able to come kill us, take care of them over there. The the people that were willing to do that, that's who we were trying to help with the HEROES Act. Not some goofball that went and got his gender studies degree so that he could figure out that there's no such thing as a man or a woman. And now we're going to make people that are waiting tables and, and, and fixing cars and working their tails off every day now pay for that person's student loan debt that they ran up while they partied for four, five, six, seven, eight years, whatever it was. This is an absolute distortion of the Constitution, fairness, equity, all of those things. And I think the Supreme Court's going to set it right. Let's hope so. Hey, when we come back, we'll get to your phone calls, 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and you are listening to At The Core. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. So the Biden administration is preparing to enter the United States into a legally binding agreement with the World Health Organization that would grant the entity authority to mandate America's health care policies in the event of a future pandemic. This would cede American sovereignty to the who to determine treatments, government regulations such as lockdowns and vaccine mandates, global supply chains and surveilling populations after a global health emergency is declared. Biden lawlessness continues. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If you grew up in a household with what your parents labeled a problem child, or worse yet, you were that problem child, you are familiar with what family therapists call scapegoating. The term scapegoating is used to describe a family-wide tendency to place the blame in any bad situation on one person in the family. When repeated over and over again, this bullying tendency to blame one family member can result in some serious mental health problems, like feelings of worthlessness, depression, and even suicide. If you notice your family is beginning to identify a scapegoat, seek help. Counseling like that of a family therapist or pastoral care can aid in creating a healthy dynamic for you, your girl, and her siblings. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us, and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us, and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community, and this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex-attracted couple contact us, and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what, and they said, please. Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. At The Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At The Core on American Family Radio. We're back here on At The Core. Phone number is 888-589-589. 8840 that's 888-589-8840 and uh, last segment we were we were talking about the case before the Supreme Court right no let me uh there we go uh we were talking about the case on, uh, at the Supreme Court that's dealing with this whole um student loan you know debacle uh, that the uh, president of the United States has has created essentially a power grab and a a uh, stealing of 400 billion to potentially a trillion dollars from you to go pay off uh, folks with uh, gender studies degrees okay it's not just them i say that facetiously but it's you know there's a lot there's a lot of wasted money on college degrees that no one uses two-thirds of college graduates do not use the degree that they got they go they go into some other field uh, that's why we don't recommend that most students go to college why well, I, I think you got to go apprentice for someone that's doing what you want to do with your life now, clearly that doesn't apply to a you know a doctor or a lawyer or engineer there are certain degrees you definitely got to go get um but Man, we're just wasting so much money on those college campuses. Okay, let's get to the next headline, and uh, and then we'll get to some some phones as well. Actually, I might try to rattle off a couple of these headlines here. Big case going on in Texas has to do with the Pfizer whistleblower. Okay, this is the gal that uh, this was, man, year and a half ago. I uh, believe it's almost been that long, if, if, if not that long ago. Um, she's the one that, that and, and she's really highlighted in the new book by Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz. I talked about the book last week. It's Rise of the Fourth Reich. we got to make sure that COVID fascism does not happen again. We do that by having a, a new Nuremberg trial. This book is fa- outstanding. And uh, at least, um, you know, one of the chapters, maybe two of the chapters, um, are about this this lady, Brooke uh, Jackson. 
and she worked for Pfizer. Well, she worked for a, a, a vendor of Pfizer to do the tests to make sure this thing was going to be safe for everybody. And she is a whistleblower now saying that they, they, they lied. They were fraudulent in the way that they did everything and the information they did not share. And, and people have died as a result. Not just been hurt, died as a result of Pfizer's lies. And so this case is huge. It's a whistleblower case. It is, uh, let's see, what's the judge? Michael Truntkale. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. He's a U.S. district judge and, uh, and basically been asked to dismiss the case. I, I hope that does not happen. I hope that does not happen. This case needs to see the light of day. It sounds like from what I'm reading that the judge has been saying that, that he wants it to go forward. I don't think he's going to dismiss it. Uh, there's big money at play here, folks. There are nefarious plots at play here. And so, um, you know, this would be a, a really bad sign if this case gets thrown out. I thank God for this woman, Brooke Jackson, uh, being willing to step up, uh, you know, basically destroy her career and, and, uh, and, and you know, uh, fight this thing uh, by going forward and, and revealing to so many of us what happened. Now, combine her story with that of what uh, James O'Keefe and, and um, Project Veritas uncovered with the Pfizer executive admitting that that Pfizer was, uh, you know, basically a revolving door, um, and and you know um, the other the other big pharma folks along with the regulators. So in other words, the people that are supposed to make sure that these things are safe before they get to market, uh, they're essentially getting paid off. It may not be at the time; it's not exactly obvious. But then they get hired to make tons of money afterwards. So that's what the revolving door means. So I will approve your drug for the American people. And then I will leave my government job, whether as a politician or a regulator, and come work for you, and you'll pay me millions of dollars. Okay, that's essentially what has been happening, and this guy admitted it on camera. So this is also, let me just go back to what I said in the first segment. We're always teaching the Constitution here. These are the core issues that are so important. This is why the founders were wise to leave this stuff out of the hands of the federal government. Because when the government is so big, there is no way to police this stuff well. There is no way to prevent the corruption. This is the nature of man. When you have trillions of dollars, not not millions, not even billions, but trillions of dollars being thrown around, you're going to have corruption. It's the nature of man. It's the depravity of man. And so when you empower federal regulators to tell you what drugs you can take or not take, to tell you what vaccines are going to be forced into your arm or not, to tell you your children's health care, to see all of those things. When you empower them to do that, then billions of dollars are at stake, and these companies are going to find ways to get their product on the childhood immunization schedule. On the COVID fascism, you've got to follow our narrative and our prescription or else you lose your job, you get kicked out of the military, you're shunned from public life, you're not allowed to show up and go places, yada, 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 all the stuff they did. Right? What a great business plan for Pfizer and, and Moderna and the others. I mean, what a great deal for them, right? Government's going to pay for my product. They're going to pay for my research. Then they're going to force the American people to take my product, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, every year, multiple times a year they want. I mean, what a great deal for them, right? Well, that's what happens when you're on the take. That's what happens when, when the, you know, what's the expression? Fox is watching the hen house. Inmates are running the asylum. I mean, that's where we are, folks. And so this case is huge in Beaumont, Texas. It's huge. So let's pray for the judge and then pray for the attorneys 
Uh, pray that the, the, that the truth comes out. That one uh, you can go read about on, in the Epic Times. Fate of the Pfizer whistleblower case to be decided by federal judge in Texas. Phone number is 888-589-8840. Lisa, you'll be first up. Let me hit another headline real quick. Carrie Lake continues her fight in Arizona. She is uh, fi- uh, now going before the state Supreme Court in Arizona. You might have heard or read um, she lost at the uh, district level and the uh, Court of Appeals level. Now she's going to the um, Arizona Supreme Court. She has uh, shown evidence in this case of uh, far more, like hundreds of thousands more ballots in question, not uh, not no trail of, of custody, uh, you know, all the problems, far more than the margin of victory for supposed victory for Katie Hobbs. 17,000 was the roughly the difference between the two. And so the case should go forward, should be heard. Uh, so far, that has not happened. Sound familiar? And so we'll see what happens uh, with this uh, Arizona Supreme Court case. You know, I've had a couple of these Arizona Supreme Court justices come speak at Patriot Academy in in uh, in Arizona. We we do one there at the at the uh, Capitol in Phoenix. Our, our our youth leadership program we call it the Leadership Congress, and that's where the kids come in and sixteen to twenty five year olds come in and they get to live the life of a legislator for a few days and and we teach them biblical worldview and constitutional governance, leadership skills, all that good stuff. Anyway, we've been doing that in Arizona for about ten years now. And uh, a couple of these folks that are on the U.S. Uh, on the Arizona Supreme Court have been there. Seem like great folks, um, honest. Seem like honest, you know, uh, constitutionally minded people. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they do with this particular case. I, I, as you know, I've talked about it on the program before. I think Carrie Lake was the best candidate, not only of 2022, but probably the best candidate of my life. Ron DeSantis may change that depending on how well he runs if he runs uh, for president. But uh, but I thought Carrie Lake winning in Arizona was essential to the states restoring state sovereignty and actually restoring the state authority that they have under the Constitution. And don't let the word state sovereignty uh, fool you. I don't mean that states should be able to do anything they want. I mean states should be sovereign in their area of jurisdiction. The federal government should be sovereign and, and yes, be the supreme law of the land if it's operating in, as um, the, the Supremacy Clause says, in pursuance thereof, if they're operating within the jurisdiction of the Constitution, as we talked about earlier in the program, those specific 17 things. Everything else is left to the states and the people, as the Tenth Amendment points out. And so uh, Kerry, I thought, was was essential for us starting to take the country back through the states, for the states to start having the ability to be um, and when I say state sovereignty, I also mean have their own personality, have their own, um, you know, let their value system be reflected in their laws and in their in their culture. I think Arizona should be allowed to be very different from California. I think Texas uh, should be very different from California and Mississippi and Arkansas and Tennessee, different from Massachusetts, right? Let each state have its own personality. That's federalism. That's the way the American Constitution is supposed to work anyway. So Kerry was critical to this. She was going to close the border in Arizona. I think it would have forced Greg Abbott to do it here in Texas. Uh, she she just it was it was a linchpin in in the in the restoration of, of the constitutional republic. So these lawsuits where she is trying to get the right result or at least have a new election where they don't have all the goofball stuff that happened in Maricopa County. Um, these lawsuits are very very important. And I and you know I'm with you. You know if you're thinking right now, man, Rick, it's been five months. I mean, I agree. I, I hate the fact that we're still talking about this and still having to fight this. But it's a very important fight for her to wage. And uh, I I don't know how to handicap it. I just I just don't. I, I I think the the law is on her side. I think there's no question there was monkey business. There's no question that people were turned away. There's no question. I mean, all of that evidence is there. There's no question that there's enough um, discrepancies. 
and problems that they should redo the election, not just in Maricopa County, perhaps the whole state. And uh, and and I know that creates all kinds of problems, right? What does that mean for down ballot races? I get it; it's messy, it's ugly, but it should have been done immediately. The district courts should not have thrown this out, and uh, we may run into another 2020 situation where they just keep k- kicking the can down the road and stalling long enough that they never have to actually answer for what they did. That's what they're attempting to do. I hate to be cynical about it, but but that's they're they're good at it. They're very good at it, and uh, so we'll see if Kerry's able to to overcome that. Uh, let's see. I mentioned the uh, the Supreme Court case on the, um, uh, the, the the student loan thing. And then, uh, let's see, there's one other. Oh, yeah, the, um, well, no, I'll come back to CDC uh, in a little while. Let's get to the phones. Lisa, I'm sorry I said I was coming to you. And then uh, and then I rambled for another five minutes. I, my wife says I do that a lot. Lisa, you're up next. Go ahead, if you're still with me. I am. Uh, hey, Rick. I was calling to see if you are familiar with the American Community Survey that the Census Bureau sends out. Is that the big long one? Ask like a hundred questions. Yes. Yeah, I got it. Pages I, I, long. Oh, it's very, crazy. Very personal questions. Oh, I refuse to answer. Yeah, I question, said, "Come get me. Come okay. find me." Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. And my husband said, throw it in the garbage. But, you know, they were saying that they would penalize you up to $10,000 if you didn't fill all of it out and send it back. And um, I just needed to know if this was unconstitutional and, yeah, throw it in the garbage. Or I just don't understand how they can ask all these questions and it not violate my rights in the Constitution. Well, let me read out of Article 1, Section 2. The actual enumeration shall be made, and notice it doesn't even say census. It's enumeration is what's in the Constitution. I always use that word because what does it mean? Number. We're just counting. That's all they should be doing is giving you a little postcard to fill out. Here's how many citizens live in our home. That should be the enumeration. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of Congress, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's nothing in here about, hey, find out how many toilets are in the, in their house, right? They even ask you that. How many toilets you got? How many, you know, how many, uh, um, I I forget all the stuff. How much money do you make? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I I got the one you're talking about. It's been, um, I can't remember. Remember if this was the last one in uh, in or not the last one, but the uh, 2010 one or the or the 2000 one, and I did exactly. And you know what's crazy, Lisa, the, the the census guy. God bless him. I know they get paid based on how many forms they get filled out. He camps outside my my house, and when I say house, we kind of live on a compound. If you if I can say so, the whole family lives out here, right? We live on a family property. We right. got a gate at the front. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this guy camps out and sneaks through the gate when one of my relatives comes through and, and, and just, just harasses me for, I don't know how long, but I did, I, I, I did, uh, I can't remember if I actually just wrote it on that form and I said, Hey, this, how many American citizens live in this home? That's all I'm going to give you. And, you know, find yeah. me if you wish. But I, I just uh, I, I felt exactly the way your husband feels. Um, and I don't just feel that way. I, I, I believe strongly that that's what the constitution calls for. And uh, and the yeah. reason they do it, and and, the, and I forget how many they do of the one you got, the big long one. It's not that many. They, it's it, they do it with statistical sampling. So they get they they do it to basically distribute money. It's all about how they're going to spend these trillions of dollars that the federal government is collecting from the American people and spending on programs they have no business being a part of in the first place. So that's another reason I don't I don't like filling it out. But um, 
Great question. I'm so sorry. I rambled so long and didn't give you a chance to comment again. If you're still with me, go ahead. No, no, that's great. Thank you. That's all I needed to know. I love your accent, by the way. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Um, Alabama? No. No, Mississippi. But Mississippi. This is a congested Mississippi accent. I'm sick today. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, God bless you. All Have right, a great thank one. Thank you. God bless right. you. You too. Bye. <laughs> That's Lisa. In fact, if I would look, if I'd learned to use my call uh, software, I could have looked up and seen it was Mississippi and not had to guess, uh, or I could have guessed right, and everybody would have thought I was really smart. But uh, that would have been cheating. Anyway, okay, let's go to Lynn in Arkansas. Actually, Lynn, hang on. We're gonna we're gonna be going to break in just a minute. I don't want to cut you short. So, Lynn, if you'll stay with me through the break, you will be up first when we come back uh, from the break. And uh, while we're uh, while we're finishing out these last couple of minutes of this segment, there's. Um, uh, just further evidence that they should be called the Center for Demented Confusion. They continue to give false information about the safety of the vaccines. Now, you know, the, 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 the line has been all along safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. In fact, the president of the United States stood on that stage with CNN and promised you, the American people, you will not get COVID if you get these shots. Promise the American people that. And then, of course, we all know now, Actually, more people are getting COVID from the shots or after the shots than the people that got natural immunity. So if you had natural immunity from having COVID the first time, you're far better off than having a vaccine. It's always been that way with every virus we've ever dealt with. And they continue to lie and act like natural immunity doesn't even exist. But even worse, they continue to lie and say that these shots are safe and effective. They are neither safe nor are they effective, not in, in comparison to what we've done in the past. Don't forget, we stopped the swine flu vaccine in the 1970s after 53 deaths. We've had tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, after these, these uh, COVID vaccines, and they still will not tell the truth. They still will not talk about the research that was done and how the research revealed how dangerous these things were, especially to pregnant women. And, uh, and, and yet, they continue to lie and, uh, and claim that these things are, are, are perfectly safe. So shame on them. Check out uh, Epic Times. They have a section called Epic Health. And uh, another article in there, this one by uh, Zachary Stiver. I read a lot of his stuff. He's really good on these things. CDC spreads false information about COVID-19 vaccine safety. They've done that from day one, folks. It's It's been, I believe, criminal. I believe absolutely criminal. That's why I, I keep talking about Steve Dace's book with Daniel Horowitz on, on the, uh, you know, the rise of the Fourth Reich. And there has to be... A, a new Nuremberg trial if we're going to prevent this from happening again, prevent these criminal activities from happening again, using the power of the government in collusion with big business to harm people so that they could fill their pockets full of cash. I mean, that's that's what happened. People died. People were harmed because of that. All right, quick break. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. We'll be back in a moment on At The Core. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. 
What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. What could healthcare sharing mean to you? Well, if you're like a lot of people who switch to MediShare, honestly, it's a huge relief. Like for the parents of an eight-year-old girl fighting cancer, it's confidence they have in having a community praying for them and paying their medical bills so they can focus on just being there and loving their daughter. Or for a young couple getting ready to welcome their first child into the world, it's being able to be in the moment, getting to enjoy this great gift from God without worrying about medical bills. And it's a relief these days to know you can actually save some money on something. The typical family saves $500 a month by switching to MediShare. And it's a ministry. When you call them, you talk to actual humans who want to help you. So that's a relief too. MediShare has been around 30 years. It's affordable, reliable health care. It's a great time to switch to. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Steve Russo with Real Answers. Every day, a variety of sources influence our thoughts. How we think shapes our attitudes. Our attitudes determine how we live. What's your thought shaper? We have to choose to let the world's way of thinking or God influence our thoughts. Blogs, music, and other media offer information about life that's helpful or harmful. Friends and family also give advice, even when we don't ask for it. But how solid is their opinion? Because our thoughts shape our beliefs, it's important to listen to the right mind shaper. Our best resource for answers and advice is God's Word. The Bible's more than a collection of words and ideas from God. It's alive and changes lives. Like the precision of a surgeon's knife, God's Word cuts to the very core of our life to reveal who we are and what struggles we have. For real answers to real issues, log on to Steve's website, www.realanswers.com. This is At The Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Well, I'm not Walker Wildman. He's much better looking, smarter, sounds better, and has the Mississippi accent. But I am Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and I'm glad to co-host with Walker and have Tuesdays and Thursdays, and thankful that you are listening to our program today. At the Core is about core issues that affect our lives, affect our families, affect our backyards, our homes, and of course our nation. And those those core principles, of course, we can prove. We don't just believe this. We can prove this statistically and and, 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 and factually, historically, all of those things that those best core issues or the best way to address those core issues comes from God's Word. All of the answers right there. And when you infuse the Bible in the culture, you get good results. So when you're talking core issues, find out what the Bible says about it. Do it God's way. It's not only right, it works best, and you will get the best results in the community. All right, let's go back to the phones. Lynn was up next. Lynn is calling in. And now that I'm reading my caller screen software better... Looks like Lynn is calling in from Arkansas. So uh, let's see, Lynn, if I can find the right button here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tech challenged today, folks. My fingers aren't working when I'm on the, com- on the computer button. Lynn, hey, how you doing? Thanks for calling in. What's your comment or question? I'm doing good. And I have a comment about the census, but the reason I called in, so if you'll give me a chance, I can do it real quickly. You got Both it. Go them. for it. The first- okay, that's. The question I asked the call screener is, 
the now that they're putting the uh, COVID shot on the child vaccination schedule starting at six months, there's a reason. Now, I, I think there's more than run, one reason why, but there's a reason why they did that that enables these companies to do something else or the government to do something else. And I heard it on um, online and I've forgotten which program and I don't remember what it is. And I it's, also, it's, if, go ahead. Well, let me hit that one, Lynn. Stay with me and then you can go back to go, go to your other question. The, it's all about... Uh, the the immunity for the big pharma companies preventing you from being able to sue them. So there's a trigger, and 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 listen, I, I'm just say right up front, I'm a Ronald Reagan fan. I got a kid named Reagan. I got another kid born on Ronald Reagan's birthday, and I got a dog. Used to have a dog named Dutch. Okay, I've made a documentary about Reagan. I'm a Reagan fan. He's my fifth favorite president of all time. However, he was wrong on this one. He's the one that signed the law back in the '80s that gave big pharma. Uh, immunity, the ability to not be sued, put a product on the market, have millions of people inject the product into their bodies, have children, hundreds of millions of children injected into their bodies with no liability. Now, that's a bad idea, folks. I don't care what your reasons are. That is a bad idea with bad results. But there's a trigger there that for other vaccines and, and, and you know other immunization schedule type stuff, that if they get it on the childhood immunization schedule, it triggers that immunity for them. So these guys at, at Big Pharma, they had immunity under the emergency authorization statute. So they all they used the, the COVID crackdowns. They used all the false information and the scare tactics that took place to make everybody think, you've got to get this vaccine. We have to get this thing done or the whole world's going to die. It was all a lie, but they got everybody to think that because it was a bad virus. Okay, It was ugly. It was awful. But it wasn't as bad as they said it was. Anyway, they used that to get this thing through the emergency authorization statute. And under the emergency authorization use, it says that, that number one, there can be no other treatment. You can only get authorization to do these, force these immunizations through the process without real studies and without the normal approval process. If there's no other treatment, if the benefits you know, are very clear, the risks are very clear, and everybody knows those, that you have to inform the medical community and you have to inform the end user, meaning you and me, if we're going to get them. They didn't do any of that, of course. They ignored that part of the law. But once it's no longer under the emergency authorization, by the way, if you're wondering, yes, that's why ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and budesonide and all the rest were lied about. And, 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 and you were told you were taking horse pace and you're, you got all the other things they did to keep you from using the very treatments that saved lives, including my own father. Uh, so anyway, that's why they did all that. But the emergency authorization statute's going away, right? We're, we're no longer in a pandemic, you know, all of that. And so when it goes away, Big Pharma has to have another way to keep you from suing them. And so putting it on the childhood immunization schedule is how they do that. Now, let's think about why they would do that scientifically or for the good of the children, they claim, there is no reason to do this for the kids other than money. The children are not susceptible to this virus. Very, very few children have been harmed or died from this virus. I'm talking minuscule compared to the numbers that have had it, had the virus. And so there's no reason to take the risk with the vaccine when you do your cost, basic cost-benefit analysis using our logic, using our brains. There's no reason to have your kid get this vaccine. 
And yet they're not only going to keep telling you you should do that, they're going to put it on the schedule, which gives the company's immunity and all kinds of money comes with it. And anyway, it's a mess. But that's why, Lynn, I'm so sorry it took so long to answer the first part of your of your call. Now, your second question. Go ahead. Well, that this isn't really a question. It's something that happened to me with the census. I filled out the form and sent it in on the last day because I was dragging my feet on it. Um, sometime later, uh, a, per, a census person appeared at my house. It happened to be at the world's worst time. I was waiting for um, a family member who was moving here, and cell phones weren't being used back then. Anyway... Or she didn't have one. Anyway, she was not um, getting a hold of me. She was late. I was worried about her. When uh, this person drove up, I, I heard the car. I thought it might be her. Um, it turned out, by the way, this, that my family member had been in a wreck. Anyway, uh, I told the census person, I already did it. And she said, oh, all right, I'll just say you won't. I'll write down you won't cooperate. Because I said, wow. well, I don't need to do it. I already did it. And I thought, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, write that down, you know. No kidding. But anyway, it was yeah. stressful. That's- that's that, uh, Lynn. That's that old. Uh, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Uh, oh, and by the way, since you won't let me help you, I'm putting you on the bad list. It's like 1984 George Orwell kind of stuff, right? Oh. Just drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Lynn, God bless you. Thanks for calling. Hey, by the way, what part of Arkansas did you call from? Uh, Northwest. Northwest, like Rogers area, Clinton. Yeah, yeah. And, I got a place uh, up in Marshall. That's why I asked. I, I love Northwest Arkansas. We got we, we got a family place up in yeah, Marshall, Arkansas. Actually, but uh, all I think of the Razorbacks is traffic. <laughs> that's about right yeah if you're up there that's right hey god bless you lynn thanks for calling in all right folks let's head over to georgia joe in georgia is our next caller joe thanks for calling in man go ahead thank you for taking my call um a few minutes ago you were talking about and you've said this on previous programs about you know doing things god's way following the rules of the bible for the best society and i I can, you know, I, I disagree with that, but it can be shown, you know, through research or through just history and, uh, and for, you know, why that's not true. Okay, tell me. If Give you, me some evidence if you think that's not true. Well, let me let me first clarify what I mean. When you say doing things God's way, do you mean a society run by the rules of the Bible? I mean, a society that's influenced by the Bible in the same way that the American society was for its first 200 years, yeah. Okay, so if you had a society that did things the way the Bible lays them out as far as rules and uh, commands and legislation, that would be a society where you would basically have slavery allowed, because the Bible does allow for slavery, you would have no freedom of religion because the first commandment doesn't allow people to worship any God they want. Um, and t- the list goes on and on. And can you show me, I, can you show me a single, a single person that is biblically minded and an influencer in the American culture that would do either of those two things that is, that has ever advocated for either of those two things or in any way, tried to pass a law that would require those two things. 
Well, that's moving the goalpost because that's not what you mentioned. No, that's that's exactly what I mentioned. I said it, the Bible influences the culture and people with a biblical worldview. Not that I even agree with your two assertions, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things in the New Testament that negate a whole lot of what you just said. But my point is that it's only—and and I'll give you an example, for a factual example historically. It's only in Christian nations, nations heavily influenced by the Bible, where you get religious liberty. It's in nations where you don't have the biblical or Christian influence that everybody has to be whatever the national religion is. So it's actually what you just said is the opposite of the historical truth and the historical accuracy. So you you could definitely take a verse, you could take a scripture, you could take all kinds of things and say, well, if we did that, then this would happen, that, that we could play that game all day. But in terms of actual factual evidence for history, you can only find nations where freedom of religion exists that have strong biblical influence because the Bible doesn't actually say that you cannot live in society without worshiping our God. What the Bible says is if you are a Christian claiming to follow God, if you're claiming to follow the God of the Bible, then you are not supposed to have other gods before you. But it doesn't say that you can't be a citizen in that society. If you have Now, yeah, if you go back to certain Old Testament situations under Old Testament laws, but that's not what a, a, a comprehensive biblical worldview put, says you should do because we believe in a in a in a you know new testament view you got to take them both together and under a in a nation like america which was absolutely founded on biblical principles and all of our religious liberty foundations come from the idea that in christianity we don't force conversion at the sword we don't require you to be a christian to benefit from a christian society so these people that think being having a biblical worldview and the bible influence in the culture means that somehow you're a theocrat or that everybody has to be a Christian, there is zero evidence of that of that ever happening in America. America has actually been the beacon of hope for the world and exported religious liberty to places all over the planet because of the biblical influence. Does that make sense? I do get what you're saying, but then that means you would have to kind of, when you say influenced by the Bible or influenced by biblical values, you would then have to essentially pick and choose which ones would influence culture and which ones wouldn't because they don't uh, lead to a prosperous society. I'm not following is that because any, every, everything, that, everything in the American culture that was influenced by the Bible did lead to, lead to prosperity. It's the, it's the parables that Jesus taught that actually back up a free enterprise system. That actually say you should you should you should uh, you know live with the consequences of your decisions. You should work hard. You should do your duty. You should um, you know uh, if you don't work hard and and, and multiply, you're going to be poor. And the government doesn't bail you out. Uh, that government shouldn't take care of the poor, but we as individuals should take care of the poor. That we should treat our neighbors the way we want to be treated. I mean, all of those things that make for a good society come from the Bible. So, I, I mean, when you say pick and choose, I guess we picked some pretty good ones. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying you pick the good ones and ignore the bad ones. That's that's what I'm getting at. You ignore well, the ones like there, there's no verse in the Bible that prohibits people from owning slaves, and there's no verse that says everybody has freedom of religion or freedom of speech. Well, first of all, on the, on the slavery issue, uh, actually the Bible doesn't ever celebrate slavery. It recognizes the condition of mankind. And, and, and recognizes that based on the depravity of man and based on the culture, if that exists in your culture, 
you're to treat your slave respectfully and that if you are a slave that you work hard. And also that that slavery was very different from the kind of slavery that you're referring to and that people are imagining in their minds right now when we say the word slavery. It was much more of an economic uh, uh, slavery based on debt and that sort of thing, not so much slavery that, you know, the very evil kind of slavery that existed not just in America but everywhere on the planet. And because of the biblical principles infused into America, we were the first nation to ban the slave trade and the fourth nation to ban slavery completely. So it, it is the biblical yep. influence that leads to a more perfect union. doesn't mean we were perfect from the beginning because we didn't apply biblical principles perfectly, right? Because we're human and, and you know that's going to happen. And even in today's society, if, if you did infuse the Bible, it's not that you're going to get rid of everything, but you'll get less of the bad things. In fact, let me just share a quote with you from a founding father, Noah Webster. All the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, and here you go, this one's for you, Joe, slavery and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible. So if we teach the Bible in its entirety, and if we teach biblical principles, and if we certainly if we teach Christ's teachings, and we make disciples of men and nations, then everybody benefits. The Muslim benefits. The atheist benefits. Everybody benefits because it is Christian principles. That is what produces religious liberty and produces freedom and produces prosperity. You take the Christianity out, you take the biblical principles out, you get mass chaos. You get moral relativism. You get you get anything goes and everything's okay. You get I don't know what a man or a woman is. You get all of the insanity that's happening right now is a direct result of exactly what Noah Webster just said, neglecting or despising the precepts contained in the Bible. Now, let me speak specifically to my fellow Christians out there. Notice it doesn't just say despising the precepts. So that's that's what the atheist does. They despise the precepts. But we, God's people, neglect the precepts. So if we're not studying God's word and finding that truth and then applying it to the culture, we're part of the problem. So the number one thing we can do to help the culture, to save America, to preserve liberty, is be in the Bible every day. And then apply it to our lives. Don't leave it on the shelf. Don't leave it at church. Live it out. God bless you. Have a fantastic rest of your week and the weekend. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You've been listening to At The Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.